This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're going to be talking about divorce and your money. So I know this is not a very happy topic for a lot of people to think about, but the truth of it is that January brings a rash of um, increases in divorce. People have tried to hang on through the holidays. People have tried to make it through the end of the year, and now people have started to move forward with divorce. And in January seems to be the time when more divorces are proceeded with or filed than any other month of the year. So because of that, we're going to talk a little bit about some things that you should know in order to make it through your divorce process with the highest level of ease. It's never going to be easy, but there are things that we can recommend that you do from a financial standpoint that will help at least ease some of the journey on the financial side of it. Okay, so with me today is Kelsey Banky. Welcome, Kelsey. Hi, Mary. And Kelsey has actually done some extensive training in this area and is our in-house expert um, for working with people when they are going through this type of issue in their life. Yeah, and I and we always say, you know, money buys you choices, um, not happiness. And I think that this is really important to keep in mind when you get to um if you're going through a divorce, if you, if you don't have a lot of assets to protect, you need to just do your best to get through it in a a way that financially makes sense for you. But if you have assets that are significant, that are going to be split between you and a spouse, if there's kids involved, um, whatever level of complexity gets added to your situation because of your finances, um, it's, it's very crucial that you do your homework and that you get a good team assembled. You need to have a good attorney, obviously. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that. But what not everybody realizes is the value that a CPA and a financial uh, planner, financial advisor can bring to the table. Um, and specifically those who are trained and have knowledge in this area. Um, I've, I've seen this time and time again where people worked with the attorney the whole way. And the attorneys are great when it comes to knowing the law and knowing what um, the process is and how to get it through the court systems and all those kind of things. But they're not necessarily financial experts. They're not tax experts. And so there's things that can um, be done if you communicate with all three of those um, professionals that can help you make some good decisions during the process that gets everybody out of the, the divorce proceedings with um, a good a good split and a good solution. Now, last year, there were around 800,000 divorces. So if this topic doesn't apply to you, it probably does apply to someone that you know and probably even somebody that you love. So the best gift that you can give them is helping them understand that resources like this or even listening to a replay of this show is out there and available to them just to kind of be able to hit the ground running. But one thing I want to say just to just from the get-go is to set your expectations in the right way. And you have to be prepared for a divorce process, especially the financial end of it, to be a very slow process. It's slow. It's painful. There's a lot of ups and downs within it. But there are some things you can do to ease your journey. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is getting yourself organized. So not everybody that goes through a divorce is the person that kept track of all the bills or kept track of all the paperwork or different things like that. 
So some people that's easy to do and they enjoy dealing with the paperwork. And for some people that feels like like plucking your eyelashes out. <laughs> like it's the <laughs> worst thing in the world. You hate the paperwork. <laughs> so I know that my boyfriend is like a paperwork nightmare. He will let paperwork pile up and pile up. And in the meantime, I'm in the back going, going, oh, my God, there's a pile of paperwork there. It's driving me crazy. (laughs) So if you're not the paperwork person and you don't like it, then you can hire someone to help you get organized. But at the end of the day, there is a number of different things of documentation that you have to gather and a number of confidential documents that are needed in order for you to be able to proceed forward effectively through the financial side of divorce. Now, one of the things that we've created is a checklist of information that you're going to want to get um, gathered. And so if you know someone or if you need that checklist, feel free to reach out to us at sterkfinancialservices.com and request it. And we'd be happy to send that to you so you can start to get yourself organized. But Kelsey, share some of the things that you would want to be able to gather in order to uh, have your ducks in a row with that. You need to gather lists of all of your confidential documents. You need to have a list of all of the expenses that are being paid, all of the assets that are owned, um, any debts that are owed. All of that is, yep. is going to come into play for the the divorce proceedings and the splitting of the marital assets. So um, understanding where everything's at and what the values are, tax treatments, all of those things. You, it, it's best if you can get a statement on everything because that just gives a lot more information than maybe what you'd, you'd think to ask for. Um, or think to gather, but it's, it's truly a discovery process. You need to find all of it and all of it. I mean, every little piece of information you can to help with this process. Another thing you want to keep in mind is that you'll want to make a copy of the last couple years tax returns. And the reason for that is not only do you need to know that information about incomes, but it's also a place where you can uncover possibly some hidden assets. Because if those assets have kicked off any kinds of dividends or gains that are taxable or interest, you're going to know there's an account there that you have to hunt down the source of it to figure out what it is that's generated something on your tax return in order to make sure you know about all the accounts that are out there. We've had situations before where we found accounts that a spouse didn't even know existed just by seeing that they kicked off interest that was reported on a tax return. Mm-hmm. Things can be hidden. In addition to that, making sure you run your credit report. Yes, very um, important. It's very it's crucial because there might be credit in your name that you don't know about, but that'll show up on your credit report. So making sure that you have a an accurate credit report and you know what all of those different um, credit listings are and that you're aware of where they are and what's on them. I mean, it, it can be, divorce can be a pretty big significant, or oh, pretty sure. big significant, double standard there. Um, it can be a significant credit event. And so managing that to make sure it's not bigger than it needs to be is, is crucial. So making sure you know exactly what credit is in your name and probably putting some kind of credit monitoring system in place to make sure new credit isn't extended to you that you're not aware of would be good. And I'm not, you don't have to go out and necessarily pay for something, but explore the options there to make sure you have a good eye on your credit. 
The last thing I want to say about getting organized really ties into what Kelsey said earlier about assembling your team. So organizing your team, I think, is critical, too. And as she said, everyone needs an attorney. But one thing that you might not know is that there is this thing out there that's called the collaborative divorce process. So not every divorce is um, confrontational. Not every divorce is um, is where you hate each other and you're you're doing all these crazy things like what was that movie the war of the roses (laughs) long ago like the worst divorce in history right um and the thing about it is a collaborative divorce process requires you both to have an attorney who's trained in the collaborative divorce process where basically you're coming into a room and you're remembering what you're trying to do which is to ease out of a marriage in the most effective way possible without doing as you know, doing as little harm as possible to everybody involved. And it can be a much less painful process. But the collaborative divorce is tricky too, because if one person decides to pull out of that process and go the confrontational route, you both have to get new attorneys. So you need to be on board with collaborative divorce all the way through the process. And um, you have to be pretty sure that both sides are going to walk that route all the way through it, I think, to start there. Okay, the next thing that we want to talk about after getting organized is really that you have to get your cash flowing. So most divorces go through phases. So you're together and you have incomes coming in that's normal. And then frequently there's some type of separation period. And somebody might move out of a home. Now there's more than one household to manage. And incomes are going in different directions, not all coming into the same pool. And so trying to figure out how to adjust to that interim separation until the divorce is final requires some cash flow planning. So you want to establish an interim budget to figure out that. You might have to set some interim child support or alimony payments and figure out what bills you're going to have to pay and how are you going to get them paid with the cash flow that's coming in. Yeah, so creating a bill pay bill pay plan um, might be something that would be beneficial to you because, again, you don't want to miss bills. You don't want to miss payments. Those kind of things can create a credit issue, and it might be really important for your credit to be in a good place when you come out of the divorce if you're going to need to buy a new house and get credit extended to you that way. If you're going to need to, if you want to start a business or if you want to um, get a car, anything like that where credit might be extended to you, maintaining and preserving your credit rating is is something to really keep an eye on throughout this process. And you're not going to have control over all of it, but control what you can and make sure you're, you're managing what you can. Okay, so get organized, get cash flowing. The next thing is get educated. Now, some of the things that are primary to get educated about, especially if you're getting divorced in your your years where you're above age 60, is that you really need to understand your social security rules and your rights. If you were married to somebody for 10 years or longer, you may have a claim on their social security. Now, it doesn't diminish what they get. They still get their normal amount. But if their amount is more than double what your amount was going to be, then you might be able to increase your own social security as a result of that. So there are some very, very unique rules when it comes to divorce and social security. And part of the education you're going to want to do during your process is figure out what are you entitled to so you know how that's going to play out in the years after the divorce is final. 
You're also going to want to get educated on tax filing and strategies there. Um, with a, a divorce process, there the, the tax game changes a little bit for you. It's still all the same rules, but it's new rules you're having to go into and, and utilize that you haven't had to look at before. Um, so again, when I'm, I'm talking about a, a team of people, if your current tax person isn't necessarily well versed in that, you might want to get additional information from a second tax person to help you with that. And one of the strategies that people don't even realize is that depending on when your divorce occurs during the year, it might be advantageous that year to still file as married and then go to single filing the next year. But your CPA really is who you should rely on that advice from in order to determine what your next best step is. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about divorce and your money. So we covered some things about how to get organized, getting your cash flow flowing, and getting educated, and now we're going to dive into some things to consider when you're getting your assets split. So the primary thing that I want to impart about this is that not all assets are created equal. So you might have four different pools of money that are all worth $100,000. And you might think, oh, we'll each just take two. But let me tell you, that is not the strongest plan is to just look at the top dollar amount. What you really have to look for is what the after-tax impact of each thing is. And also, is that asset going to create income or is it going to cost money to maintain? And in addition to that, we always need to keep in mind liquidity. Um, not all assets are the same liquidity. So your house might be worth 100000 You might also have an investment account worth 100000 One of those is easily able to be turned into cash and spent, and one of them is not. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, when we say not all, assets, not all assets are created equally, it really is important that you evaluate assets from multiple different perspectives to make sure you're grabbing um, – the right data from them. Now, I like to, I'm, I like analogies, Mary. Um, <laughs> she always, always comes up with good ones. <laughs> always comes to me when we need analogies. And I don't, I, I must have really paid attention that day in school. So um, I like to liken it to, to bills, our money system that we have. So there's ones, fives, tens, twenties, hundred dollar bills. And all of those things are the same size that if you measure them with uh, a ruler, they are effectively the same size. They might be minusculely different, but nothing that we could catch with the naked eye. Um, but they all represent a completely different value. So somebody getting the bill that's 100 and somebody getting the bill that's 20 have two completely different um, levels of assets there. Um, and so that's why you need to look a little deeper at your asset pools and make sure that you understand the tax treatment, the liquidity, um, you know, the risk level, whether or not they're creating income or creating um bills, things like that before you immediately just split your assets. And let's talk about that house for just a minute, because one of the biggest questions that people going through a divorce get is, who's going to get the house? And the house can be a great asset to take, but it can also be an anchor around your neck as well, because a house comes along with property taxes and possibly a mortgage to continue to pay. It comes with upkeep and it comes with maintenance. And while your house might appreciate in value, it doesn't tend to appreciate in value at the same pace that investment accounts might have the opportunity to increase in value. So you have to think about that and factor all of that in. 
there is a massive, massive emotional tie to the house that people have. But if there was one thing I could tell divorcing people is step away from the emotional attachment to the house and just purely look at it like an asset, not like something that is where you're living. I mean, I know you're living there, but you have to step away from the emotional you know, aspect of it to, to view it with the right goggles when you're navigating through this. And it might take some financial planning just to really see this. Um, everybody's a little different, but, um, you really need to look at that. You know, we talked about cash flow earlier for the interim, but what's your cash flow going to be like after the process is done and can your new cash flow support that asset, maintain that asset and everything that goes along with it? Usually spouses, not everybody, but usually spouses take care of different things in the household. So somebody might be the clean and the person that cleans and cooks and does laundry. And some person might be um, more the maintenance and the outdoor work and things like that. And who that is in your household is going to be different from, from person to person. But if you aren't going to take on those roles and you need to pay somebody to do those, that adds to the, the right. level that the mm-hmm. house costs you. If you have other things that have, that used to be done by your spouse that you have to just all those things need to be paid attention to. So if you're unsure of whether or not you can afford to keep the house, then you might financial planning might be helpful to you in helping you get a clear picture on whether or not you can afford that house or what your lifestyle would look like if you kept it versus got rid of it. Another big thing that um, even a lot of attorneys don't pay attention to but is really significant when you're splitting your assets is that after-tax value of them. So think about an IRA that has a half a million dollars in it versus a Roth IRA that has a half a million dollars in it. The traditional IRA will have taxes due when you cash it out and use it. And the Roth IRA will have no taxes due when you cash it out and use it if you have followed some certain specific rules. And so what you get to keep out of those pools of money after you've settled up on taxes is two very, very, very different numbers. So even though they look like they're both half a million dollar accounts, because of the different tax treatment, you walk away with something that's terribly different from each other if that's how you split it. So those are the things that you have to keep in mind in terms of um, the tax ramifications. Now, one of the things that often happens is that a spouse will have a 401k plan that ends up getting split. And 401k plans have some unique rules when it comes to splitting them that are different than investment accounts and IRAs. And frequently, a 401k plan will need something called a quadro in order to split it. Quadro is spelled Q-D-R-O, and it stands for Qualified Domestic Relations Order. And basically, it's a legal document that an attorney has to get involved to create that tells the 401k company that you have to take an employee's account and split it to their spouse, and now that spouse has the account in there. Now, quadro rules are very complex. And Kelsey, share with the listeners some of the experiences you just recently had in, in helping someone through their quadro. You know, it's it's a complicated process. And not only do you have both spouses and the attorney and the judges um, all involved in this, but now you're adding a whole nother um, person to the to the mix. And the fact that you're adding the 401k companies that are involved and there might be the the investment company and the, the third party manager. But all of these people are now involved in this process and these rules have to be followed. And what I want to make sure people understand is 
it's a long process. Yeah. It's not a short process. <laughs> it takes a while. And, and it might magically work out for you that it's a short process, but frequently there's a lot of people following the, this process that the quadra has to be written in a very specific way for that organization to be able to follow through with it. So if you're planning on getting money out of a 401k plan to help you start paying bills right away, I want to caution you that it's a long process typically. Um, now getting Again, getting a financial professional involved early in this can help alleviate some of that because they're going to know some things that um, need to be done that an attorney just might not be as well versed in. Again, the attorneys know the law. Financial professionals typically know the financial um, programs and things like that better. Now, so, Kelsey was working with a with a client here recently who called us and said that they wanted to use some of that money through the Quadro for you know, taking it out and getting clear on some bills. And um, she recommended that the person talk to their CPA first to, um, you know, understand if there's any implications. And then Kelsey found out that the CPA actually gave the client wrong advice about the quadro in terms of the tax implications. Because there's a lot of gray. Yes. There's a lot of gray uh -huh. out there on this topic. And so um, I, I, Mary said earlier, I've gotten specialized education. I attend a lot of continuing education on this topic because I want to make sure I'm, I know the, the most accurate and up-to-date information. Um, but again, working with more than one professional helped out in this situation because we were able to work together and really get clear on what the tax code was for this situation so that the person could take their assets in a way that tax-wise made the most sense. There was some preferential tax mm -hmm. treatment. Mm -hmm. If we did things in a certain order. So right. finding out what that order was, getting confirmation from the CPA and, and multiple CPAs in this case, that that's the right tax treatment, um, landed this person in a better a better situation in the end. So. Now, as Kelsey mentioned, getting some financial planning help might be very effective because when you go through a divorce, one of the most difficult emotional pieces of it is just not go knowing if you're going to be okay financially going forward. So we do a type of planning that we, we affectionately call, you will be okay planning. <laughs> and it's really to show you if you end up with these assets, then here's what they translate to in the long-term future for you from a forecasting perspective and your own retirement perspective. So if you're going through a divorce and you're interested in doing some you will be okay planning and trying to figure out what life looks like for you financially post-divorce, as you can hear, Kelsey is our guru. You should give her a call or reach out to her through our website and, and talk a little bit more about that. Okay, we only have a short time left, and I just want to say, in terms of managing your risk, there are different insurance coverages that you might have to look into once you are ready to go through that divorce. So you really want to understand how your insurance needs change from a life insurance perspective, from a disability insurance perspective, even down to your house and your car insurance or maybe needing an umbrella. And those things all play into what you need to know in terms of managing your risk as you're navigating a divorce. All right, we hope this has been helpful for you or someone that you know if they're going through a divorce. Get organized, get your cash flowing, get educated, get your assets split, and get your risk covered. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. 
past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.